0: Uh, Wednesday nights ago the Lord spoke to us to to uh, visit a, a, another church and um, we had you know s- s- seen the pastor in some different situations never met him, you know but we, we'd seen him in some different situations and uh, different places and so forth and so okay so we, we did our Wednesday night thing and put it on Facebook you know as an archive and uh, then we went to the other the, the uh, thing and what what was so what was striking about it was that the 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 air that hung in the place was an air of discouragement, and um, because you know they, they they got attacked with this COVID business, you know, and it affected their and and so their 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 crowd had dwindled from a, an extremely um, full place, you know, an extremely large congregation to I mean, there was, it looked like you know, one of our typical services where, you know, we have a, a, a relatively new faithful, yes, you know, people that were clearly faithful and people that were clearly involved in the word and engaged in the word. nevertheless it went from a large number of people to a very small number of people, but the, that wasn't really the problem. You know, the problem was in in my mind, there was like this air of discouragement that, that hung over the place, you know. And and I you know, I, I the truth is that if we can't encourage ourselves in the Lord and we can't encourage ourselves in the presence of the Lord, we're in real trouble, you know? Because That's what David did, you know, when the whole world spoke, this is 1 Samuel chapter 30, when the whole world spoke of stoning him, you know, when they were all, you know, the word says that they wept and they lifted up their voice and they wept and they cried till they had no more power to weep. And, you know, the people talked about stoning him, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I'll tell you, if... If the place you go to church on a regular basis is not encouraging you on Sunday morning, don't go. Find some other place. You don't want to get more discouraged, you know, when when you go in the presence of, find some place where you can be encouraged or stay home and encourage yourself in the Lord or do something, but do not allow yourself to be discouraged by the, uh, the word, hallelujah. That was, that's item number one. I, usually we have a couple commercials you know, before we get started. The second one was, that the Lord reminded me this morning, we, I, I, was out, I was walking through our fields this morning, and the Lord reminded me of, uh, of a situation that happened to us a, 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 lot, a lot of years ago, probably 20 years ago or so, anyway. And uh, what happened was we had this farm, and uh, we had this young guy who was, was working for us, and he had he, he basically ran the farm. He took care of the farm, and uh, he did a fantastic job. He was a, a fine, fine young man, you know, and it really had done just a fantastic job of taking care of this this farm. And we were we were busy. We were stretched. We were stressed, and we were broke. And uh, so you know the the guy had done this, a great job with this uh, this farm. And he called me up one day and he said, you know I, I he said, I have to, uh, uh, he said, I have to leave, he said, I have to go. Uh, and it was a, a personal matter, family family matter. He had to go attend to, you know, and he said, I, I just have no choice. I don't wanna go, but I have no choice, you know. And uh, so I'm going to, uh, he said, I have to leave, so Friday's gonna be my last day. And he said, I'll leave the keys, because he, he had the keys to the farm, the keys to the farmhouse, you know, and all that sort of thing. He said, I'll just leave the keys in the farmhouse, and you, you come pick them up, you know. So Gail and I went up there on Saturday to look at the place. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And like I said, we were just, we were in, we were just experiencing some, some incredibly difficult times. And even that farm had come to the place where we didn't know how we could go forward on that farm because we didn't have any capital to move forward with. So we went up there anyway, we are there and it's a beautiful, beautiful day. And I'm sitting on the porch And the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said, you know, there's a dearth of the word over this place. You know, he said, you're not speaking the word over this place. And I realized he was right, that what had happened Mm -hmm. is I had allowed my attention to be focused on other things, you know. I put it over here, and I put it over there, and, you know, and and I was allowing the fires that were burning of the moment, you know, to, to distract me from what was really important. And what was really important was planting the seed of the word of God yes. into the soil of that place. Now we planted crops, we planted trees, and we had a, a, a harvest growing there. But what we'd not planted was we'd not planted the word of God appropriately into that soil in that place. And wrongly, con- I mean, rightfully rebuked, you know, right rightfully convicted, and we began that day to uh, speak over that. We began to, that day to speak over that property. And we went back on a regular basis. And we didn't go every day, but we went several times a week and on the weekends and so forth and, and began to speak the word over that place. It was not 30 days later that one of the most incredibly supernatural events had ever happened to us. Happened, and a guy came and he said, "You know, I'd like to buy all the crops you have, and uh, uh, and we'll pay you an astronomical sum of money for those uh, crops." And it was it was so supernatural. We actually we were we were sustained for three years off of what I mean. We we had enough money to live for three years off of what. The, the remarkable thing was it wasn't 30 days after, you know, we began to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And what, what happens to all of us is we, we, um, we get busy, and we respond to the stimulus that attacks us, you know, and, and wherever the devil attacks here, we, have, we respond over there, we respond over there. But the reality is there comes a place, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Maybe some water or something? Yeah. Need some water? Need some water? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Shalabu go shalabaka. Anyway, the, the, um, these I forget what the name of the song is. There's an old, old song. I remember hearing it when I was a kid. It was, uh. Uh, like, uh, or maybe it wasn't even a song, but it was the, the line went something like this, you know, where we never is heard a discouraging word, you know. <laughs> that's how it ought to be in the church. That's how it ought to be, that's how I believe it is in our place, you know, but I, I believe that that's the way it should be in the church. Yes. But the reality was that what God instructed us to do in that particular case, is what, what we were not doing, which was to sow the seed of the word into the soul of that place. Because we'd done everything else we knew to do, but the word had not been sown into that place. And once again, it was not. 30 days later, we had the most incredibly supernatural event happen, one of, one of, the, one of the truly most supernatural events of our lives, and we've had many, but that was one of the most supernatural uh, events of our lives. And it actually transformed by the relationships that we formed as a result of that it just transformed our business you know that it, it, it took that business to some place where we would never have been able to uh, to get it it was truly a, a remarkable thing you know and so i'm just encouraging you, you know whatever that, that whatever that situation is whatever the circumstances and situations that you face you know You've got to put the Word into those situations. You've got to plant the Word as a seed and expect with confidence that the Word is going to grow up. Two scriptures, and again, we're still in the commercial. Two scriptures. One is James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers. And and, and the word the King James says, uh, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. The word that is translated temptations, there should have been translated tests. It's a a better word. And um, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into tests. Knowing this, that the testing of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work; that may be perfect and entire, wanting, no, wanting nothing. What most of us do, you know, we're impatient people, and faith requires patience. Faith births patience, and we need to be exercising our faith to build our patience. Now, uh, Hebrews and I'll down. We won't turn there. In the answers of time. Hebrews 10:35 talks about. Casting not aside your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Faith births patience. Patience births confidence. And those two items work together are what what brings the thing that you're believing for. So faith is not always, though, though your faith is now, though your faith is of this moment, it doesn't necessarily produce what you're believing for it to produce right that second. And it's a key, key thing that you've got to birth patience. The the devil bugs uh. (laughs) Excuse me, Thank thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, faith and patience are the power twins. They work together. Without patience, faith will not stand long enough. And without faith, patience means nothing. Patience doesn't mean anything without that. So they're the power twins, they work together. But together, they birth confidence. And you know, I, I know you've heard me say this before. You know, faith represents what we believe. I mean, it, it, when, when we believe something, then we, we, we say, well, we have faith for it. But that's not the highest expression of our confidence in God the highest expression of our confidence in God is the place where we know. And we come to the place, I don't believe it anymore, I know it. And when you can come to the place, like let's take healing for example, when you come to the place where you know that he's your healer, you know that he's gonna heal your body, you have, you, you know, you may go to the doctor, you may take medication, you may do all of those things, but when you know that you know that you know that he is A, your healer, and B, he's gonna do what he said he was gonna do, You've come to it. You've come to the place where your confidence will produce the reward, because you're no longer believing it. You know it now. Yeah, absolutely not. So that's our objective: is to kind of get over to the place where uh, where we know. It. Hallelujah. Okay, Amen. that's the end of the commercial. Praise <laughs> God. Everybody doing all right? You know, no one would know from the sound and place. No one would know that this is a Pentecostal group, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could, we could do oh, an amen. God. Amen, Brother Kev. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen, yeah. Brother Kev. <laughs> oh, Let's try that. Let's, everybody try that. Amen, Brother Kev. <laughs> 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 uh, Many. And um, what, uh, uh, one day, this black guy comes in, and we didn't have many black people there. You know, very, very few black, you know, the church, it, it certainly at one time was one of the most incredibly segregated places on earth, you know? <laughs> and so this guy, is a, a black guy comes in, you know, and he sits down, and the pastor says something, he says, amen! And it's the only sound on the place, you know? And he says something, something the guy says something, he says, amen! You know? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the ushers came over to the guy and spoke to him and, you know, let him know that they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. Oh, hell of a Genesis 39. Yeah, for those of you who don't have your Bible, it's all right. I'll, I'll read it for you. Genesis chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hand of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now we know from the the previous part of the story that Joseph was the favorite son of of Jacob. And uh, he was sold into slavery. His brothers... uh, resented him and they sold him into to to slavery and so here now what we see is they're bringing him to Egypt and he's a slave so he he would possess nothing he would be in chains he would he would have probably be, be naked have absolutely nothing but God said he was a prosperous man God said he was he had nothing. But God said he was a prosperous Amen. man. That's a, a fascinating you know, revelation. And what it means is that prosperity isn't prosperity is not in what you possess. It is not in what you owe. It's not in your job. Prosperity is something that's on you. It's a gift. It's a gift that it's a gift that God gave you. It's a gift that God Gave you that came from heaven. You know, we all pre-existed in in heavenly realms. We pre-existed before we ever entered the earth and When God chose the time for you to enter the earth and he chose a place for you to enter the earth There were certain gifts and abilities that he put on you in heaven That came with you from from heaven. Now you picked up along through as you rode through the birth canal You picked up the sin nature And uh, which you didn't have, uh, that we didn't have when we preexisted in in the eternal realm, but we picked it up. But the gifts that God gave, the Word says that the gifts were without repentance. So the gifts and the talents and the abilities and Mm -hmm. things that He gave you in heaven, they came with you, and they preexisted, and they don't they preexisted where you you uh, where, where where you were born and they pre-existed your entry into the earth and they were without repentance in other words those gifts and abilities and talents that god put upon you they never will go away they they never vanish they're never not there so this gift that is on joseph was a gift that came from the gift that came from heaven and it was in him and it was on him and it didn't matter what he possessed didn't matter any of those things it was a gift from god that belonged to Well, you and I, when we got born again, when we accepted Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we got that gift too. Now, some of us brought that gift from heaven. You know, it was it was put on us, and it, it, you know, it's out, put on people in different measure in heaven. But we were also given that gift of prosperity when you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and when you got born again, that gift became yours, and. Uh, Deuteronomy eight eighteen says God gave us the power to create wealth that He might perform His covenant within us. He gave us the power to create wealth. Prosperity is related to the power to create wealth. And the spirit of prosperity is related to to that. And let's re, let's just look over at 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And uh, the verse that I wanted to uh, see, and we'll come back to this in just a minute, uh, is Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. In other words, one of the things that Jesus accomplished on the cross for you and I was the gift of prosperity. He laid aside his divinity that's how he became poor he laid aside his divinity to enter the earth he came into the earth for you and for me he didn't come for him he came for you and I and he brought with him the gift of prosperity that he gave to every one of us when we when we when we were, were born again now let's go back to Joseph so what happened with Joseph was that here's Joseph he's coming into town he's a prosperous man but he has nothing. And what we see in the interest of time, we won't read the, the whole story, but what we see as he enters the uh, the town and as he begins to enter a new realm where he's going to dwell and begins to enter in, into Egypt, certain things begin to happen and all of a sudden that gift of prosperity begins to function on him. He goes to, he's, he's bought by Potiphar who's the captain of the guard. And Potiphar puts him in charge of his household, and what happens is the household begins to flourish, and the household begins to prosper, and begins to prosper exceedingly, mightily, until there's an incident with with Potiphar's wife, and they put him in jail. Now, that gift of prosperity, though he had nothing, that gift of prosperity was functioning in that, that place. Unfortunately, he ends up, through no fault of his own, through nothing that he actually did wrong, he ends up in prison, and he's in prison for 13 years. And it's an incredibly supernatural event that gets him out of of prison. But what happened in the meantime was that they put him in charge of the prison, he begins to manage the prison, and the warden allows him to run the prison because of the gift of prosperity that's upon him and they all, all the people they see that gift they see that that talent which was a uh, uh, was a remarkable thing now what's happening in 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 that period of time is here's Joseph he's 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 destined to ultimately become the leader of the covenant of God in the earth and that's what he he will become but he's in the hole he's in prison He's stuck in a place that he did not deserve to be, had not done anything wrong, until the day that he's called by uh, Pharaoh to interpret a dream. And what happens is, and once again, I'm paraphrasing here just in the interest of time, what happens is that there's two people in the jail who have a dream, and Joseph interprets the dream. And One of them tells Pharaoh, who has a dream, about the Hebrew guy who's in jail, who has the capability to interpret dreams. So they call Joseph out of prison. And let's let's go there. Let's look at Genesis 41. That's where we'll start. Because Joseph is, is about ready to come out of prison. So it's clear that he's supernaturally put in this new place. He's supernaturally put in a place where he can prosper. And and so Genesis chapter 41, then spoke the chief butler unto Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and he put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream one night I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him and interpreted us our dreams to each man according to his dream did he interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. He restored me to my office and, and he hanged the, the baker. And then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. Now he's been in there for 13 years. And notice what he does. He doesn't hustle over to pharaoh he shaves himself and changes his raiment in other words he's about to go into a new place he he recognizes that this is his opportunity to step forward into something different but he's not prepared to do that he doesn't look like he ought to look he needs to change something about who he is in order to go into that new place and What we're looking for here is the principles of prosperity of how do I prosper? What are my principles of prosperity? And that's probably the first one, that if you're going to change the season that you're in from one of, of, let's call it, not prospering like you should to prospering like God intended that you would do, there's some sort of a change that's involved. Now, the the Hebrews, they all wore beards, and, and shepherds clothing. Pharaohs hated shepherds. The, the Egyptians hated shepherds. So Joseph realizes, I'm gonna to have to make a change. If I'm gonna get out of this place and I'm gonna to go to a new place, I've gotta make some sort of a change. I gotta change the way I look. I gotta change the way I act. Maybe I gotta change the way I speak. It's a great principle that to, if, if something, if you're gonna to move to the next place, in, in, in your business, or in your ministry, or whatever it is, change is going to be required. And so what happens with Joseph, he embraces the change, and as, as probably as, as anxious as he was to get out of that place, he made the change first before he went over to, to, to see Pharaoh. Now what happens at that point is he interprets the dream for, for Pharaoh, and he's supernaturally elevated to a place where he couldn't go. And listen, once again, it's a, it's a key principle of prosperity that so long as you have submitted yourself to God, so long as you've committed yourself to God, he will take you to prosperous places you can't go by yourself. He'll take you supernaturally in ways you never expected. He'll take you faster than you ever thought that you could go. Let's go back to the the story of the the farm and and where God said, there's a dearth of the word over this place. You're not planting the seed of the word of God. What God was saying was, I'd like to do something for you. I'd like to do something supernatural for you. But there's a seed that you're going to have to sow. And the seed is going to have to be, you're going to have to plant the word of God over this situation. He didn't say this, but the conclusion was if you do that, I can do something for you. If you don't do it, I'm not going to do anything for you because there's a requirement. See, the the thing about the Word of God, the thing about submission to the Word of God, is it's a series of if-then equations. If you do this, then I will do this. Everything God does requires a seat. Everything that God does requires you to do something. You know, we talk about the free gift of salvation, and it is. There's a free gift of salvation. It was it was free to you. Jesus paid for it. I mean, it's somebody paid for that. It was there wasn't free. It just wasn't you who, who paid for it. And your deal is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. That's how you get saved. Now, so the if-then equation is if you will believe in your heart, if you will confess with your mouth, you'll get born again. If you don't, you don't. You don't get born again. That's the deal. And so, you know, God in his infinite wisdom doesn't make allowances for the people who wanted to but didn't. He doesn't make allowances for those who knew they should but they never got around to it or, or whatever. That isn't the deal. He draws a line there. And the deal is, you can cross the line by accepting, or you stay where you are. You stay in, in. You stay. You stay lost if you you don't accept it. So it becomes an if-then equation. But the reality is, as, as 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 difficult as it sounds, if you don't do that. Now the word says that God desires that all men would be saved, but there are people who are not going to be saved. There are people going to go to hell because they chose to go to hell because they didn't respond when when. Give an opportunity to respond. They didn't respond So They're gonna they are people that are going to go to hell and it was by their choice Everything that God does is really like that Especially if you believe in God to do supernatural things for it. if you doing believe in God to do something that you can't do by yourself He's gonna require you to do something that he can't do for you Let's take you know, and we've certainly talked about this before. Let's let's take character flaws. Let's take character issues. You know, let's say that you've got some flaw in your character. And and we'll see this in Joseph. What happens is in, in, in Joseph there's there there's some issues that Joseph has to deal with. Hallelujah. <laughs> there's some issues that Joseph has to deal with. One is unforgiveness, you know. that... He has to forgive his brothers for what they did. They, they sold him into slavery. He has to forgive them. And what we see when we read the word again in the interest of time, you can read this when you go home. You can read the story of Joseph when you go home. i will only take you 15 minutes or so. But what happens is Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife. And Joseph has two children. He names his children, the meaning of the names of his children, The first one is, God has caused me to forget the issues that I dealt with. The meaning of the name of the second one, God has made me prosperous in a new place. So two things happen there, and he reflects them in the names of his children. It's like God changing the name, uh, Abraham's name. He changed it from Abram to Abraham. And what happened is, all of a sudden, now every time somebody calls Abraham, Abraham, Instead of Abram what Abraham is hearing is father of many nations He's being called the father of many nations same way with Joseph every time he calls his younger son I'm, sorry every time he calls the elder son by his name God has caused me to forget my affliction every time he calls his younger son by his name God has made me prosperous in a new land. So in other words, he he, think of it this way. He's made a confession There's a there's a confession now most likely, well, some of the most powerful confessions you can make are the ones you don't really believe when you start making them, and you don't really feel that way when you start saying them. You you begin to make your confession because you expect God to partner with you, and you expect God to, to uh, move for you to supernaturally as a result of the things that you did, so what Joseph has basically done there is he's made a confession concerning those things that would block him from receiving God's supernatural movement. Unforgiveness, to be an unforgiveness towards his brothers, or to be constantly, you know, focused on where he was and not where he's going, would prevent him from prospering in that place, would prevent him God doing supernatural things. And there's a there's a there's a great, great picture there. You know, and it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful picture. You know, I remember, you know, when, uh, uh, and, and Gail and I, we've been married for 28 years, but I was married before I, I and divorced. And I, I, I knew that if God was going to do something for me, I had to be able to forgive. And I had to be able to get past judgment, I had to be able to get past guilt, I had to be able to get past um, you know, feeling offended and hurt or those kinds of things. And I just, I had to forgive. And it it took a while. It didn't happen overnight, you know. But it was my confession. It was my daily confession that God was doing that for me. It was my daily confession that that unforgiveness had been taken away. And what happened was, I don't know how, it took a while. It, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> But I want to say that it took about a year and a half. <laughs> it took about a year and a half of confession every single day. But eventually, one day, I realized it was done. You know, it, it had been done. Because I was partnering with the Holy Spirit in that. That's what he wanted me to do. Let's go back to, to, to God saying, speaking over that farm. He spoke over the farm because he wanted me to do something. He wanted to prosper me. He wanted to bless us. Actually, I, I, you know, I'm blessed because of Gale. You know, and I, you know, I, I rarely ever say that. But one of the things that the Lord did when when Gale and I got married, the Lord said, "Now she belongs to me, and I'm going to give her to you." And He said, "I expect you to take care of her. I expect you to watch over." Her. And you know. That's been my assignment all these years is to watch over and take care of it. It also, I, you know, I remember one morning I was in, in prayer. I'm just giving a little background here so you, so you know the, the real story, the whole story, because you don't see her all that much, but there's a real story. And w- w- one day I was out in my prayer time, and I was just thanking the Lord for the goodness, the wonderful things he's done, the incredibly prosperous things that God has done for us and so forth. And Thank you, God. Can you turn that one up just a little bit, here? Thank you, God, for the glorious things. There we go. Hey, <laughs> thank you, God, for the glorious things that you've done for me. And God said, "What do you? Think? What makes you think I did them for you? You know? <laughs> no, I did them for her. You know. You got to just go along with the rhyme. She's a far more spiritual person than I am, and, and far more, you know, committed and so forth." And, see praise god and uh, i'm married up for those of you that (laughs) those of you that don't know us all that well i married way 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 up (laughs) anyway so the truth is that god god wanted to do something for us he wanted to do something supernatural for us he wanted to do something miraculous for us but there was something we had to do and the something was to plant the seed of the word into the ground of that place. And that if we would do that, God could prosper us supernaturally. He could do something supernaturally uh, for us. Now, what we see in this story of of Joseph here is it must have been, Joseph must have recognized the importance of, and and we'll come back to the word repentance, but he must have, he must have, realized the importance of forgiveness. He must have realized the importance of laying aside things that had happened to him that were wrong, things that hurt him, things that were, you know, because I mean, here's his very brothers, the people whose household he grew up in, you know, sold him into slavery. And so, but he recognized the importance of forgiveness, of forgiving him. And he recognized also the importance of forgetting those things that were behind and pressing forward to the prize of the high calling. That's what the apostle Paul said. He said, "I, I forget not those things. I forget those things that are behind, but I press forward for the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus." So, so what we see, we see that playing out in Joseph's life, and it needs to play out in your life as well. Now, m- most of us are in, you know, our, 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 once again, if we're gonna prosper, there's a place of repentance for the things that we've done that prohibited us from prospering. Many people have a spirit of prosperity, but they didn't prosper, because they did the things that were wrong. And the reality is, you need to repent. You need to repent for the mistakes that you made, if you, you've, you've made mistakes. Even like in, uh, uh, I was telling, you know, Gil and I were talking about this this morning, you know, the, uh, I, I like to read every year, I read the Forbes 400, which is about the 400 richest people in America. And there's a remarkable number of those people who got rich, went bankrupt, got rich again, went bankrupt again, got rich again. Because it wasn't, a, it wasn't about things, you know, the right things happening to them. It was something that was in them. It was something that, that had been put in them. Prosperity is a spirit that gets on you, and it doesn't get stolen, and it doesn't, doesn't get taken away. I had a dream from the Lord one night a, a number of years ago, and uh, what happened was I was going to work, in the dream I'm, I'm driving my, my car to work, and it's an old car that's, uh, that, that's a car that I drove when I was in college. I had this old car when I was in college, and that's the car that's in the dream so i i drive to this place i go to this place and uh, i see this um uh, it's a house under construction and i pull up there in the driveway i think this is it this is where i'm supposed to go work and there's an elderly couple in the yard and they say no 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 you're at the wrong that's not the right place where you're supposed to be working is right around the corner that's where it's not not here. And so I think, okay, can I leave the car here? And they said, sure, you know, so I leave the car in the driveway. I go work at this other place. I work there all day. And in the middle of the day, there's this gigantic rainstorm. And um, so we take a break during the rainstorm. The rain's over, and now it's the end of the workday, so I come back. And my, Vol- my old beautiful Volkswagen has been clean and shined up, and it's gleaming. You know. And They've cleaned out the inside of it and the, the, I had left the windows down, because you know it, it, I wasn't anticipating rain. So uh, I left the windows down, and they had taken the the mats and the cloth parts of the seats and everything out, folded them up, neatly cleaned them, and put them in the trunk of the car, so that when I, I got there, it had been preserved, it had been, been protected, you know? And um, so I said, They said, you know, they said, well, we did more than we needed to do. But you had the keys. You took the keys. And the meaning of the dream was this, that there's a gift of prosperity that I put on you, but you have the keys. And you have the keys to start that car. And you have the keys to prosperity. Yeah. And there's it's like, God, I want to do things for you but I can't, there are some things I cannot do because you have the keys you're the one who drives you're, you're the one who drives the car and what happened with Joseph in this story is the same thing that happens to people if you're going to prosper as you go forward there's a place of forgetting that which is behind there's a place of repenting for your place in the mistakes but there's also a place of just forgiving other people for the things that they 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 might have done, so that you can you can press forward, and you have the keys to prosperity. Prosperity requires repentance for failure. Now, repentance is a spiritual. There's a spiritual force of repentance, and the spiritual force of repentance works this way: when you do it, God partners with you in that and supernaturally propels you in the correct direction, in the right direction. When you repent, you've found God's heart in that. When you find God's heart in that, he supernaturally propels you to the place that he wants you to go. So repentance says, God, I recognize I made a mistake. God, I recognize I did things but I need you to push me in the right direction. I need you to help me. Now, it's not about him cleaning the car for you. It's about you Working with him to go forward because you have the key, so you're the one who has the key to decide. So these these are three elements that we see here. You know, there's an element of forgiveness. There's an element of of of, of repentance, an element of forgiveness, and an element of deciding to look at what's ahead, and I'm going to forget those things that are behind, and I'm going to decide to to go forward. And once again, Joseph recognized. And we can take what Joseph recognized there was if I name my children that name, I'm going to be saying it every day. Now, you and I, we can accomplish the same thing by our confession. Your confession is one of the most important things that you can do. What are you saying over yourself? What is the confession that you're making? You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, says that Jesus is the apostle and the high priest over your confession and meaning that he's one of his his present-day ministry functions or roles as he's seated in heaven is to receive your confession Amen. and to take it and to process it before it it goes on to to god and uh, so your confession you will never prosper beyond the level of your confession what did you say about yourself what, what what did you what did you say now and there's another thing and, and, and let's look at it in gen we just looked at it in genesis uh, chapter uh, 41 verse 14 we looked at the protocol as J- joseph going to the new place he changes his appearance he changes his thought process he changes it. one of the most important things about a person is how they think and sometimes you got to change the way you think in order to to move to a different place. If you're going to move to a prosperous place and you haven't been in a prosperous place, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to begin to think like a prosperous person. The confession is a key element in being able to do that. To begin to speak over where you want to be, not what you are, not what you've seen in the past, but to begin to speak. And uh, Romans chapter 4 calls that calling forth those things that be not as though they were. So to be able to change your confession, to change the things that you say, to change what you do. Now, let's look at uh, uh, verse 16 here. So Pharaoh says to him, you know, I want you to interpret the dream." And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I want you to notice that what he did was it wasn't about him. He wasn't saying he was going to do it. He going to say that God would do it. That, that he gave credit where credit was due. Amen. He gave God credit for the things that 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 Amen. God did. You cannot overstate Amen. the importance of being thankful to God for the things that God has done. Better to err on the side of being thankful to God even for the things he didn't do than... You know, better err on the side of being thankful and continuously thankful and uh, 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 I'm not sure what word I would use, gushingly thankful. <laughs> Be thankful to God. Let God see that you're thankful. You know, and, and again, in the interest of time, we won't turn there, but there's a, there's a story in the Bible about, the, about lepers who come to Jesus. There's 10 lepers who come to Jesus, you know. And uh, Jesus heals them all. And, you know, what he said was, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, that was what the Levitical law said they, that the leper had to do, was he had to go to the priest and show himself to the priest to be declared clean. So what Jesus said to them was, go to the priest and show yourself to the priest. So as they're, they're healed, as they're going, and they realize, you know, we're, we're clean, this leprosy is gone. There was one who came back to give God glory and thanksgiving. And what Jesus said was, you know, there's one who came back here. Where's the other nine, you know? And the one who came back, what happened was he was made whole. See, the other ones were not made whole. Thanksgiving is the seed to being made whole. You can enter into forgiveness of situations and circumstances that may have happened in your past, or mistakes that you made, or whatever, you can can repent, you can be forgiven, and not be fully restored. In other words, you can be carrying the burden of that thing even yet, because there's spiritual burdens, sometimes there's spiritual burdens. But the reality is that thankfulness to God represents the seed to being made whole again and that is such a key key thing now what Joseph does in this picture is he gives credit to God for the things God does and we, we should do that too but more than that we want to make sure that we recognize what God does and we want to recognize that we're thankful for it and we express our thanksgiving before God and uh, it's the key. It's the seed to being made whole. It's the seed to 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 to, to going forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So those are those those are some elements. Now we also we see as we go forward, you know, and, and again in the interest of time here, we we see that Joseph Joseph sows. I mean he 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 not only does he uh, forgive his brother for having sold him into slavery. But he sows, he gives to his brothers. He he, he bestows favor upon them. He gives them uh, food to eat. He, he takes care of them. And he eventually, when uh, Pharaoh discovers that uh, Joseph's father and family is still alive, he tells them to bring them and let them dwell anywhere, have the best of the land. They can dwell in the best of the land wherever they want. So there's a supernatural event that occurs. There. There's a supernatural prosperity. There's a supernatural blessing. There's a supernatural deliverance that God God did for 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 Joseph uh, because of, of of those things. So, oh hallelujah! You know, once again, prosperity is a gift. Let, let let's look over at um, and, and we'll end here today. Let's go over to uh, Second Corinthians. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where we? And the verse that we read earlier was, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. But this entire chapter of 2 Corinthians 8 is a primer for prosperity. That's what he's doing here. He's, he's talking about how did these people prosper? How, what, what happened to these people? Because he says, you know, uh, uh, well, let's read it. It's moreover, brethren. We do you to of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. In other words, these people, they were poor. They weren't just poor, they were poor. <laughs> they were really, really poor. They were really, really broke. Oh, hallelujah. Shut up, oh, shut, up shut up. That's a tough place to be. How i have been in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality for to their power I bear them record yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints and this they did not as we hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God he's given us a key to prosperity there what he's he's talking about how these people got out of their poverty he's talking about what happened to these people to transform who they were and one of the things they did is they gave themselves first to God. That's a key to, to, to prosper. You know, you can you can have a good job, you can make good money. You know, in my, my previous career as a CPA, I represented people who made unbelievable amounts of money. I, I remember working with, particularly physicians, I remember something about the physician, I remember working with physicians who made unbelievable amounts of money. And at the end of the day, they had nothing left over. You know, that's not prosperous. That's not prosperity. To, to have nothing, to, to make an enormous amount of money and to have nothing, that is not prosperity, you know. And yet I saw that repeated again and again and again and again. And, but what they didn't do is they didn't give themselves over to the Lord. You see, that's what these people did to get out of their poverty here is they, they committed their business, they committed their lives they committed their finances over to God first. In so much as we desired Titus that he had begun, so in finishing you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. It's the grace of liberality. That's what he's talking about, the grace of being a liberal soul. The Bible says that the liberal soul should be made fat. There's a place of liberality. There's a place of generosity that if you're going to get out of where you are, if you're going to get out of being broke, there's a generosity, there's a spirit of generosity that has to reside on you. And you know, you can, you, you, you don't have to have a lot of money to be generous. You know, you just share some of what you got. You just share. And 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 sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it's about prayer, kindness. Just you know, a generous spirit—it um, is a key. What he's saying there is: it doesn't matter what gifts you have, it doesn't matter what gifts you 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 function in. You must have the gift of liberality. You must have the gift of generosity if you're truly going to prosper in things of, of, of you know. Particularly if you're going to prosper in any arena of your life, there's a place of generosity. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and the proven sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor, yet ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but to be forward. a a year ago. He's going to give you the key here to prosperity. This is the absolute foundational key to prosperity perform the doing of it and that as there was a readiness to will so there may be a performance also out of that what you have for if there first be a willing mind that is accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not I'm gonna read that in the Amplified we'll start at verse 10 Is my counsel and my opinion in this matter that I give you when I say it is profitable and fitting for you to complete what you began a year ago not only that you began to do but you were the first to wish to do anything about so now finish it that your readiness in desiring to do it may be equal by the completion of it according to your ability and means What he's saying there is that the most important part of liberality is to desire to be where God is, to desire to be involved in the work of God, to desire to do those things. And that if you have a desire to participate with God, if you have a desire to work with God in the things that he has, it's not the amount of the gift that you give it's not amount of the things that you do it's the amount of the want to that you have so the anointing for prosperity is not on the amount of the gift the anointing for prosperity is on the want to and what happens is when you want to participate with god in the things that god does god will want to respond to you supernatural. and uh, it's it's a it's it's an extraordinary principle because you know, most of the places where we go to church, you know, well, you know, if you want something big from God, you know, you got to give a, you got to sow a big seed, you got to give a big gift. That may be true, but the seed may not necessarily be money. It may be the want to. It may be changing what you want to do. It may be, may, may be changing. You know, I remember a year, a, 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 and this, again, this goes back a number of years ago. I felt that, uh, um, um. I felt that my love for God was not developed as it should be. That that um, that I wanted to love God more. That I wanted to to have a passion to serve him more than I, I did. And that I, I felt like there was just a part of, of me that was a little, it was just a little colder than it should have been, you know. And I didn't have that passion to pursue the things of God. And so I sowed. A, a seed to somebody that I thought had that, somebody that I wanted. I sowed a significant seed to that person. And I told him what I was, you know, believing God for. And 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 he said, Oh, you already have that. That's he said, you know, he said, no, no, no. He said, you yeah, that well, I knew I didn't, you know. <laughs> I could probably put on a pretty good show, but I knew I didn't have, to, you know, and that that was the reason that I was was on that. And I believe that God honored it. You know, and I don't think there's anybody alive that loves God more than I do. There's nobody that has more of a passion to serve God, more of a passion for the things of God and more of a passion for the present presence of God. But it took a seat. You know, it, it took it took recognition that something was wrong. It took recognition that I, I needed to move if that's if that's if that's where I want to go. Because That represented the key to the prosperity that I really wanted the prosperity and we're talking about prosperity here the prosperity that I really wanted was not to have a lot of stuff it was to have joy it was to have peace it was that yes to have a freedom from want and a freedom from worry but a confidence that I could pursue the things of God and that he would respond I mean at the end of the day, you cast not aside your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. And somehow you've got to get over to the place of confidence that God is going to do something for you. And I can tell you this, that if you pursue God with a passion, he'll pursue your stuff with a passion. Psalm 37 four says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it is absolutely true. It is, one, it is more true than our... Finite minds can can receive. It's more true than our finite minds can believe. That if you love God with all your heart, if you pursue it, if you're if, if you have delighted yourself in Him, there's nothing He won't do for you. And it's not about wants and it's not about needs. I mean, let's face it, none of us really function in wants and needs. You know, I mean, what does it really matter if you you just got a roof over your head, and you just got to be You know. That's not what life's all about. You know, life's about the things that you enjoy, the things that you desire, the things that you want. You know, that's what life's really all about. And what he's saying is, if you want to truly experience a fullness of God, of, of life, you, you have to delight yourself in the Lord. If you truly want to, 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 to know joy, if you truly want to know fulfillment, the solution is delighting yourself in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Let me, let me just call on a good-looking woman in the front row here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and I'll, I'll say that she was a prize. She was.
1: Hallelujah. As Pastor Kevin was talking, and we're getting ready to receive the offering today. And um, I was in Psalm 119, and it's a long passage this morning. I just was going through because I I grab a hold of Psalm 119 and take a lot of healing scriptures from there. But I, as he was speaking about prosperity, in um, in Psalm 119, 161, it says, But my heart stands in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. Right. And so we, we desire his word. And we know that when we grab a hold of his word, that it's more valuable than silver and gold. And so what pastor's been talking about is is what, how do we attain to prosperity? What, what are the, some of the characteristics? And what are the things that Joseph did? And each of us are gonna be tested in our word. He, he tried Joseph in his prosperity because that was what God had called him to do. He gave him that prosperous spirit. But there was a testing and a refining of that gifting. And a lot of us don't like the way that God chooses for us to go to get refined, do we? (laughs) Come on. I'm like, I wouldn't have picked going down that road. But in it, amen, he sees the finished product. And he's continuing to do a work in you and I. Amen. And he knows the plans. I like what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plan that I have for you. It's a good plan to give you a future and a hope. Amen. It's an exp- His expectation for us is not to take us out, but to get us in. Amen. Into the good life. Hallelujah. And so um, as we bring our ties this morning. Hallelujah, honey. You're gonna come. We're gonna pray over. We just thank you. We it's a privilege to bring our offerings to the Lord. And again, as Pastor Kevin was talking about, the seeds that you sow today, he's not may not be dealing with you on finances. It's forgiveness. It's I need to let some things go. I need to forget the former. I need to take hold of the new things for us we believe this year is a year of souls amen years ago um caleb had written in the a verse he who wins souls is wise i took a picture of it because he had it written in that and he i don't even know he must have been six or seven but he had it that was a scripture and he and, and wise was w-i-z amen hallelujah <laughs> But this year, we are going to see some souls come into the kingdom of God. Amen. And we believe that's what he has said he wants us to sow to. And so we are yielding ourselves this year to the revivals that you'll hear about that we're going to be doing here in Vero Beach and in Sarasota. And because we want to have our seed in and our finances in what God says for this year amen and so we've sown it here and we've sown it there but this is where he says i want you to to sow into this for the new season amen and so we want to be the first to be a part of it and you'll have opportunity to earmark what you send to us for this uh these revivals that we're going to do coming in february amen and we are going to see a harvest of of new converts, and they have to go somewhere. So that means some churches are going to get some people, and you've got to be ready for them. So those of you that are watching today that are looking for more people to come, and but, you know, we are going to bring in new, new babies. We love babies, don't we, honey? Mm-hmm. We love children. We love babies. Amen? And so we're going to see some new babies come in, and that means we're going to have to feed them. Some of them need to be fed on the breast on the, it, with the milk of the word and not the steak of the word. So we're open to make those changes because we want to be a part of what God's doing in this hour. We want to be right in. We don't mind if we're in the front, the back, the back, behind, cleaning the toilets. We just want to be in what God's doing in this hour. And so when you bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord today, we just, we know that he wants in to increase you. Amen. But we know that why we stand here today, intact in our mind, healed. Come on. Our children intact. Hallelujah. This property here is because of God's faithfulness to us. To show us what to do in each of these steps in our lives amen and we look to his word and he gave us what to do today amen and he's not a respecter of people if he did it for us he'll do it for you amen I you, pastor
0: if you always reading from psalm 119 psalm 119 also says Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your, out of thy law. You know, sometimes just, you know, know, we've all experienced this. You know, you try to read the word and you get a spirit of slumber comes over you. Or or it's just difficult to understand. But if you'll pray, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your word. All of a sudden you begin to see the things you need. What will happen is the Holy Spirit will begin to partner with you so that the things that you do see are... Are, Very simple. Amen. It's just it's a simple <laughs> yeah, place. Oh, Helly Father, I thank you that your word says that you open the windows of heaven, you pour out blessings you've not room enough to receive, and you will rebuke the devourer over the tither. And I thank you that your word is sure your word is true. Mm-hmm. It means exactly what it says. Mm-hmm. And then over and above, exceedingly like over and above. So God, we just thank you. We bless you, and and uh, hallelujah. And I want to read. I want to read you one more passage here before we uh, uh, enter. Uh, before we finish, and uh, so that's that's the covenant of the time. That's the promise over the time, and uh, but then he goes on. Then, and that's in Malachi chapter three. But then he goes on in in verse thirteen, Malachi chapter three, verse thirteen. He says, "Your words." Have been stout against me, said the Lord. Yet you say, Well, we've spoken so much against you. You've said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we've kept his ordinance and we've walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Now we call the proud and happy, and they that work witness are set up. But yea, that they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that upon his name they shall be mine said the lord hosts in the day when i make up my jewels and i will spare them as man spareth his own son that serveth him the word remember the word the, the spiritual word the biblical word remember doesn't mean just to cause you to remember it means to bring you up to mind so that he can do something for you so if you read it in that context they that feared the lord who spoke often one to another put themselves into the place and those that talked about the lord talked about the things of god what happened is they put themselves into a place for god to remember them by doing things for them by doing supernatural things Where he's a supernatural god that's who he is that's his mark that's his brand is the supernatural and he wants to do supernatural things for you but he requires permission I mean, that's the reality is there's a permission that is required in order to do supernatural things. And that permission is you delight yourself in him. You. you 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 speak often about it. you give him credit, that's what Joseph did. Joseph said, No, it's not gonna be me that gives the dream interpretation. It's gonna be God that gives the interpretation. All those things come forth from God. So I just I encourage you. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Lord is good, his mercies endureth forever. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow at 10:30.